my oldest, I mean, we told funny stories and she talked about being a mom and she was the first person in my family to graduate high school. So it was a big deal, but she didn't go to college. She had another kid. So I'm a grandpa. We talked about that. And she's like a comedian. She's funny. So that episode was really good. The one with my 17 year old McKinsey, she's also funny, but in a different way. And she wanted to talk about social media and how it affects young girls and how it does this. So there's lessons in there, but we're also cutting up and laughing and, and it just, that brings them a part of it. And it gives me a release and some endorphins as well as them. And I think the more you can do that in your business as an entrepreneur, you can bring your family along or, or share things with them. I think, I think that makes it a little easier. Welcome to another episode of Social Peer Secrets, and this is Lisa Beyer. I will be your host. So I want to welcome our guest, Jason Waller. We are going to be talking about Jason and how he is building a movement, or he has built a movement, with his company, Power Home, and his podcast, True Underdog. He is in the process of writing a book and sharing his experiences, how he has used PR and owned media to build his companies, his podcasts, his brands, leading him to a list of awards, including four-time entrepreneur of the year, 13 Stevie awards as CEO of the year, top 30 under 30, top 40 under 40, most admired CEO of 2020. So Jason has a lot to share. And I really loved certain parts of this episode, especially I think you will too, how he actually brings his kids on as guests of his podcast and they talk about real life topics. So welcome Jason, true underdog, Jason Waller. I am here with Jason Waller. Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. Well, good. podcast host, a podcast host and author yeah. to author. Lovely to have you with us today. And I want to just start with, I'm very excited about your book that you're working on mm-hmm. called Own Your Power, because that right now in, in this era that we're in, it can mean a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. can you start by telling us about your book and a little bit of background on your journey? Yeah. So the the book's called Own Your Power, No Excuses, No BS, The Time Is Now. And it's really taking control of your life, creating your own map, creating your own mindset, not taking no for an answer, not letting the outside world, whatever the, the issue or obstacle is, whether it be a person or a thing, stop you from your journey. And you know, my journey, the book starts when it goes back to when I was eight. It actually goes to where I won the EY award. That's how it starts. And I'm sitting in Atlanta and I won this entrepreneurship EY entrepreneur of the year award in 2019. And I had this, you know, what, how the heck did I get here moment? And so it, it started to reflect when I was 18 and I went to go see my daughter be born and my, she's my wife now, but at the time she was my ex-girlfriend, her family wouldn't let me in there. And her family was trying to get her, she was 17 to give the baby up for adoption. And so wow. she still had the baby. I fought for joint custody. There was a moment there in the hospital where it was like, I've got to take control of my life. Her mom, the world, my parents, they, they're not going to dictate what's going to happen. And it was a wake up moment for me. And just the reflection, I go through different stories in there. It's eight steps, you know, uh, scared money, don't make money, create your own map to win, to win the championship. You got to focus on the play by play. There's no elevator in life. You got to take the stairs. It's just a grind. And it's a story of me opening up three different companies. I didn't finish high school. I didn't go to college. I had a kid in my teens. I built three successful businesses. This one being the hardest one where I lost everything early on, doubled down, put all my 
my money on it, sold my house on the lake. I had the stink eye from the wife and kids, and I still bet on myself. And you know, now the company's going to do 800 million in revenue this year. It's got over a billion over the last two years. And we're in 16 states and we, we employed almost 2000 people. So I could have quit. I could have backed down, but it just talks about those steps and the journey of where people can be relatable to that. How does that apply to someone in the everyday life, whether it be a relationship or whether it be a business or whether it be a job. And so that's really what the book's about. And it sounds like there's some radical transformation that's that you talk about in this book. Yes. And I was just actually talking to another um, guest, Kat Howell, a couple weeks ago about something similar. And, and basically what she was talking about is that you don't really realize until you go through this radical transformation. But when you're going through the radical transformation, you don't actually know you're going through the radical transformation. <clears throat> I would say that's accurate. I think if you stay in the moment, you know, I'm a big believer. If you set your goals one week, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months out, no more than that, then you're never outside the moment. So it's never like surreal to you. So it's easier to, to do that transformation and not realize it's happening because it's a little bit at a time. It's like hair growing, right? You don't wake up every day and go, oh, I grew a little longer. That's not what happens. You have to have that same kind of mindset in business or your life to get to where you want to go. It's little spots, little things that change it. And then you wake up one day and go, wow, I did, I did change. And you didn't realize it during the journey. I, another example, I just got back from Canyon Ranch for about 10 days. And one of the lecturers there, his name is Dr. Robert Murr. I hope I'm saying his name right. He wrote a book. He specializes in the Kaizen method, K-A-I-Z-E-N. And basically it's this Japanese method that dates back um, thousands of years. And it talks about using small steps to make big outcomes versus taking a huge step to make possibly a big positive outcome or a big you know, negative outcome and brands and companies that follow that. And it sounds like that's very similar philosophy that you're, yep. you're talking about is how day by day is going to make a difference in the week by week and the month by month. Can you give us some tips on that? Well, think about this. If you can be 1% better today than yesterday, you're going to be 365% better than you ever were compounded. It's a lot more, but for simple math, I love that. That's what happens. So in 30 days, you're 30% better. If you really look at it. And you don't have to be great today. You just have to be a little better than yesterday. And How do you do it? What's an example that you do? I set two goals every morning. It could be something small. I'm going to make this call or I'm going to be really positive. I'm going to motivate my kids. I'm a, whatever it is. Every day it changes. I try to set two goals in the morning. I try to at least accomplish one of them, if not both. And they're small goals. And then the bunch of small goals equal big goals. And I make decisions fast. A lot of people stay in the mud. They can't make a decision. I make decisions really fast and then I have no regret. I try never to look back. I, I believe there is no such thing as a wrong decision. It's just a decision and whatever happens, you just got to deal with that and focus on that. Because if, if you make a decision and then you're looking back, you're not giving this one hundred percent because you're worried about what you didn't get. And I'm just not a believer in that. And it's taken a lot of failures, a lot of experience to mold me to be that way. But those two tips, little, little goals and making decisions quick can really move the needle. I think in today's, the, the way that we're like post pandemic and a lot of us are working from home and things become very mundane and, it, and it's hard not having the engagement and the, and the opportunities and the interactions that we were used to. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you give to that today's mindset and how to stay positive and how to get yourself out of bed and, and be as productive as possible when it's easy not to? 
I think you got to network into different platforms. I'm using Clubhouse a lot lately. I'm following certain people. I have a couple coaches and mentors. I think it's important to find yourself a coach, no matter how big you are, you're never too big for a coach. And it's always helpful to coach other people that you can. And I think as long as you're doing those things, I love Clubhouse because it's it's a voice platform where there's no video involved and people are just sharing stories and it's free and it's able to gain knowledge and network. And so anything like that is important. And in, in, in today's world, we can't sit here and wither and, and point fingers and make excuses. We have to find opportunity in what's going on. And for a lot of people out there looking for jobs or not knowing what they want to do next or scared to open a business, the time is now. It's not one day, it's day one. It's right now when you have this time, you can put together a business plan, or you put together an idea, or you can put together some goals because you have the time, because you are home, because you're not driving and going into places like you once did. And I think it's utilizing that time correctly really makes the difference. Being in the PR world, we experience a lot of rejection, just like in sales. And it's a lot of kind of cold calling and establishing relationships. Using Clubhouse is one great example of establishing um, new relationships and new connections. But what tips do you give when to have the mindset to handle rejection, overcome it, and maybe some creative tips? Well, I come from door knocking sales and then telemarketing sales. And I'm super confident. I always feel like I'm the best salesperson ever, right? But it's because I'm, I, I want more no's to get to the yes. I know it's going to take X amount of no's to get there. So I try to be positive about a no and see what I learned from it and not let it defeat me and know that I'm getting closer to a yes. And I think the problem is, is some people get broken when they get their rejection and they get defeated. And you can't look at it that way. You know, not everybody can sell everybody. Not everybody can make everybody happy. And so you have got to find a way to get closer to that number. And the more no's you get, the better and the sharper you get. The, the things you learn on how to adapt or conversations that you maybe miss something on a, on a proposal or on a pitch, and you just continue to work on that. Then it's, if it's 40 no's equally, yes, you get it down to 25, you get it down to 15, you get it down to eight. And that's the goal is to track. I believe in tracking data track your data of what you're doing and see what works when you try different things and hold it accountable. Of, hey, you know what? I tried this pitch and my percentage of closing or getting people interested in the PR world, whatever it is, and you're pitching people, you got to use that data because data never lies and then, and then run with that. And so you also got to remember that something that you might be offered might not be what somebody else is looking for. And that's okay. And either you can adapt and find what they're looking for, or you can go on to the next one. When the solar business, and I did home security before then, it's not for everybody. And I'm okay with that. And you try to move quickly from the no's and then earn the yeses. How did you get into the solar business? So I was doing home security for many years and I loved it. We built van teams and then we had call centers and we were in 12 states and it was booming. And I did two companies like that, but I started to see power companies, cable companies, phone companies, internet companies start offering home security. It was flooded and it was at like 35% penetration. And it felt like the market in the white space was shrinking. And I loved what I did because I felt like we knew if we put a sign in your yard and put a system in your house, you were 19 times less likely to get broken into. That's a big deal. And people pay for that, that comfort, for that security, for that peace of mind. And so I was really good at that and understood that and loved that part of it. But I started to get bored. I got ADD to the max and I didn't like everybody getting into it. I was in the cell phone business before cell phones really took off from 01 to 04. I worked for Verizon Wireless Bell Atlantic and I used to sit down with a boardroom of 
business owners and, and corporations and sit there and tell them the BlackBerry is the future, not their computer, not that fax machine, that everything's going to go wireless. And they told me I was crazy, but I worked for a company. That's what they believed. That was the mission. And I was on board. And I felt that way about solar. Solar is really big in the Northeast and it's really big in the West Coast. And in the Southeast and the Midwest, which is predominantly where we're at, it's not. And I said, why can't, I mean, we're good at building, selling home security. Why can't we sell solar? Why can't we empower people, ready, to own their power, Mm -hmm. not rent it, right? That's where originally it came from. So, you know, we want to empower energy independence. We want to give people the opportunity to flatline their costs, give people to never be powerless again with battery and storage. I mean, with all the hurricanes and the ice storms and everything else, the grid is bad. How can I be a part of that movement? And so I got into that and I loved it. It was a big learning curve because it was construction, but I continue to love it. And we're the largest American-made panel installation company in the country. We do more battery and storage than anybody else, including Tesla. You know, we're we're a big player in this industry and we're making a difference for homeowners and, and people's future. And so we love what we do, but it was just something exciting. And I mean, that's just what happens. I mean, you see something, you're like, wow, I want to do that. And I just got excited about it. That sounds awesome. And so may I ask, how did you use PR as part of your growth and marketing strategy? It sounds like you, you have some good tips to share here. Yeah. Well, I think you have to use PR. You have to be able to share stories internally and externally to get the community involved, to get the state involved, to get the national media involved too many times. It's, it's all the bad stuff is on media. And when you've got some good stuff to put on there, not only is it a feel good for that community and everything, but it builds your brand. People trust what they see on TV. We do partnerships with five NFL teams and we've installed solar, not because they paid us a lot of money. They really didn't at all. It's because of the credibility for our field energy consultants to go into the home and say, we installed solar at Ford Field or Heinz Field or Bank of America Stadium. The consumer lets their guard down. It's the same way if you can have some PR around your business, around what you're doing, giving back in a community and doing things. Not only are you making people feel good because they like to hear good news, but you're building a brand out there that they can trust and that they can be relatable to. And now you're not only becoming identifiable, but you're becoming trust worthy. And I think that's important anytime you're doing in-home sales or you're offering a product or you're new to a market. And I, you know, we utilize trying to get PR involved to do that, to share those success stories. I mean, one of the best things we did this past holiday party is we, we had about 1,650 employees when we did the party in December, 1,490 logged on. That's unreal. And we gave out $210,000 to the employees, five $25,000 winners and two cities in different states picked that story up. I got to interview the employees that won. They got excited. Their family got excited. The community got excited. It helped us recruit. It helped build a brand. It's talking about giving back. I mean, all of that is, is what it's about. That's an amazing story. You should write a book about that. Yeah. Well, about to give it away the money. I don't know. I mean, I wrote a book about owning your power, but I'll see what the book two will be about after this first one. This first one was tough because I never wrote a book or read a book, let alone you know, right one. So this was hard, but it's been exciting. I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it, but it was challenging at times trying to get used to putting things together. And I love to be challenged. This, this was a, a big mountain, but I'm finished. I'm just waiting for the editorial part to be done. Yes. I can, I can say that writing a book is painful. And I think anybody that has can relate to that, that's an author, but 
once you get done, it'll be fine. You'll forget. Like, it's almost like, yeah. like having a baby. You just yeah. like forget the pain of it and move forward. So it, congratulations, because Thank it's, you. it's hard to go from actually the idea to actually like printing and publishing and I can give credit to a a Florida hero, Heather Monahan. She's the one that put me on the spot to where I had to write a book or else she put it on our podcast and she challenged me. She's like, you have to have it done by November, 2021. Well, and that was when hers was going to be done. Mine will be done like July. So I'm going to beat her. And she knows that. And so I love a good challenge. She challenged me. And that's kind of what pushed me to write the book. A little competition never hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And help you probably break it down day by day, week by week, month by month. And you have yeah. that, that end game. That's awesome. Yeah. So your book is going to be a great piece of where you're able to share your knowledge. What I love about what you've also done is you, and this is something that we recommend from a PR standpoint is like, you don't have to, you don't have to always pitch the media. You could be the media and create your own owned media. So tell us about your podcast, because I think that's really smart. And tell us how you came up with even launching a podcast after all the success that you've had with your businesses and how the two tie together. Well, when I won that EY award and I was celebrating with all the judges and multi, you know, million dollar CEOs and billion dollar CEOs, I was fish out of water trying to adapt like, oh, this is cool, but you know how to, and they were like, you got to write a book. And at that time I was like, there's, there's no way I'm writing a book. Well, then you should do a podcast. So the podcast actually came first. So I started to think about it. And when February or March came through, right, right before the pandemic, I was like, all right, I'm going to do a podcast. I got a little time in my afternoons here to pop one or two episodes. And I had some cool friends in the NFL that I could put on the show and get my name out quickly. So that's what I did. Good PR. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you're going to get on my show. I'm going to brag about you. Let's do this. You can tell your story. Well, it started to take off quick. And then I had Kevin O'Leary on there. And I mean, from Shark Tank, I mean, yeah, it started to take off. And then it was like, oh my goodness, it's a top five entrepreneur podcast over. What do I do? So I had to hire a production company, I had to hire producers. They had to help vet who's going to get on the show. It became a full flown business. I'm not making money on it. I could, I choose not to, because to me, it's giving back. I'm running a solar company, but I'm running this and it does cost money, but it's, it's building value. And to have somebody come to me and say, Hey, I listened to your podcast and it changed this, or I decided to open this and I wasn't scared, or I took a chance, or I quit my job and I opened a company. You can't buy that feeling, right? I, I can help people. I do a lot of philanthropy work. We give back. And that's great. When you can help your parents, you can buy them a house. You can do all kinds. That's fantastic. But when a stranger does that and tells you that, it's game changing. It's like, whoa, I'm really serving and helping people. So that becomes addictive. And so here we are a little over a year and, you know, it's booming. I I try to dedicate two days to do like six or eight episodes a day, like bam, 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 like knock them all out. And I've evolved to where I do some interviews, but I do a lot of the rants myself or I get interviewed from a co-host. And that seems to be a better flow because I talk more about entrepreneurial experience and what's gone down. But I still bring some cool guests on like David Meltzer, my CEO coach, but I met him, he came on my podcast and he's the original Jerry Maguire. The movie Jerry Maguire is about him. Really? How he made, yeah, $130 million by the time he was 30 and lost it all. And then how he's built all that wealth back. And so I'm on a show with him called two minute drill and 
office hours at, that he films, he owns a production company, but he ended up being just a great person, a great mentor of mine. And his story was just exciting and people love that. And, you know, so the friendships you meet on that with the podcast, and then it starts to build not only my brand where maybe one day I plan on never leaving until we take this company public and all our employees have a life-changing event, but there'll be a day, could be five years, could be three years, could be seven years that it goes public. They're going to bring somebody bigger and smarter than me to be the C. I mean, that's okay. I, I get it. And when that happens, as long as the employees take care of, what am I going to do? Well, I, I love to do motivational speaking. I do it in our company all the time, all our sales meeting. I liked writing a book and I love doing the podcast. So it's like, I can, I can do some of these things and really empower and serve other people and build a brand out there. And the podcast has really helped do that. And it, it all circles together. You got power home. Soul, you got the true underdog podcast, and then you got me and it just, it circles around. And then we use the PR to really elevate each one of them. Definitely. Hello. Oh, wait, is this thing on? Hi, it's Lisa Beyer. I just wanted to tell you really quick. I'm launching a course called Modern PR Secrets. And I wanted you to be the first to know. You can check it out at thebuyergroup.com under resources. Now let's get back to this interview. So what are some of your favorite guests that you've had on, that you've had on and what are some tips or things that they've shared that you really love that you can share with our audience? So you can see behind me, I'm a big football fan and we yes. installed solar on a lot of stadiums, but I'm a diehard Detroit Lions fan. And I was the biggest Barry Sanders fan ever. And when I did a deal with the Lions, I got to meet Barry Sanders. And when I did is me and him hit it off well. It was just at a, at a meeting and it was at a party. And then his agent's like, hey, you should do something with your company with Barry. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. I never even thought about that. Well, then I put that together and it became surreal to me. That was another one of those moments like, how did this, how did I get here? So then we did a deal with him. This is before COVID. So in 18, he came to every one of our holiday parties. Like he was there, we had three of them and he's shaking hands with all the employees and he's, he's doing a commercial with me and he's over there talking to my dad at one of our holiday parties. And it was surreal. My dad's the biggest Barry fan. I was like, how did this happen? Well, fast forward that and our relationship grew. I put him on the podcast and he is not a very outgoing person. So you got to pull it out of him. But I tried to not talk a lot about football. I want to talk about being a father and about being a figure and, and how to let people handle the pressure. And he talked about something really, we talked a little bit about it, staying in the moment. Right. I talk about those little goals to 30, to 60, the 90. When you look too far, it's like, I'm going to be a billion dollar business. You're always defeated because you're not. It, it takes a long time to get there. But if you go, hey, I'm going to be a $50,000 business, you'll feel good. Then change that goal to 100,000. Well, he said something that hey, you got to stay in the moment. You can't let the lights be bigger than you, but you can't be bigger than that either. You can't, you know, in high school, he's not like I'm going to be a pro. His goal was I want to start in high school. And then it was, I want to be the best player in my high school team. And then it was, I want to go to college. Then it's, I want to play. He set realistic goals and stayed in the moment. And, you know, you can apply that to anywhere in, in life, whether it be business, whether it be sports, whether it be family. He was a great one. David Meltzer, I mentioned his story. He was a great one. JT McCormick was a good one. He had a really hard life. He was born in a very physical and sexual abusive family. Like his dad was a, a legit pimp and he was raised by prostitutes and he had to raise his little brother and sister. So his story is pretty dark, but who he is and, and, and how he is now really inspires you. 
you know, and I think also David, I said, David Meltzer, David Nurse is a good friend of mine. He's the most positive person I've ever met. His story was really cool. He used to be an NBA coach and he's morphed to write a book and he does some speaking. So those are probably some of the, the best guests I've had. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And what is your take on mental health today? And what tips can you share on how to, I mean, I, I can say firsthand, the reason why I was at Canyon Ranch was because I was just suffering from complete entrepreneur life burnout. And I had to do something drastic to kind of save myself because yoga every day and meditation every day wasn't cutting it. It was like a Band-Aid. So I'm sure you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. I hear it too, that there's a lot of suffering happening right now because of what we've been through the past 15 months. And so what advice do you give or tips do you give to that? It's really hard. I mean, I I never thought I would be burned out. And about six months ago, I felt burned out. I had an episode like called burnt out and I'm like F-bomb in China and I'm F-bomb. I mean, I lost it on this episode. I'm I'm done. I'm done with this virus. I'm like, I I was losing it. Yeah. But that's you. You have to have something to reset that. And one of the things I try to focus on is things I can control compared to things I can't control. And it's about quality versus quantity. So it, you know, this business and podcast and book pulls a lot of hours away from my family. However, if I just did a nine to five and then I came home and it was like, we might do dinner, we might not do dinner. And I go upstairs and we watch TV and we go to bed and the kids go to bed. I'm not spending quality time. It's just quantity of time. But if I make the time matter on a day I do take off during the week or on the weekend, I'm like, we're going to a ball game or we're going, you're going to play soccer. We're going to do a cookout. We're going to swim all day. We're going to play gin, rummy and Uno all day. When I make memories and I make it quality over quantity, not only does it help my family, it helps me because I'm getting those things that I need as well. Because when we're grinding every day and working hard, you know, you forget what you're working for. And I'm not going to be the one that slows down because a lot of people say, well, if you're working that hard for it, you're missing out on your life. It's not worth it. I totally disagree. It is worth it because I'm not thinking of myself. I'm thinking of my kids, kids, kids. I'm trying to set generational wealth. I'm trying to empower and serve people. So to me, it is worth it. And I've just got to be a big boy and not complain and find moments, sleep's overrated and find moments where I can give quality back. And there'll be a day that I'm done. It's just not today. And so I've also in bring my kids along. I did a podcast with my oldest daughter in December. I just did one with my 17 year old yesterday. That's so a I bring, great idea. Yeah, I, I love bring that. them along and I, and I call it hashtag family talk and it's real and it's raw and it, people can see the dialogue between me and my kids, but it allows them to kind of build a platform because you know, a platform because two of my kids are very outgoing and two have social anxiety. And two of my kids have depression and my wife goes through depression and I've never been depressed until like eight months ago. I've never even know what depression was. And then all of a sudden I'm like, something's wrong. I feel like I'm an alien. I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. I feel like I don't belong. What is going on? And you got to either take medicine. I've never done yoga. I do meditate some. I've wanted to do yoga, but I work out every day. If I work out, my mind resets. If That's I go your own meditation. Hard, right. Yeah. And I listen to music in the shower. I crank it up, wake everybody up in the car. Like music helps me too. And to bring my kids on, each one of my kids will eventually come on. But my oldest and me, we told funny stories and she talked about being a mom and she was the first kid, first person in my family to graduate high school. So it was a big deal, but she didn't go to college. She had another kid. So I'm a grandpa. We talked about that. And she's like a comedian. She's funny. So that episode was really good. The one with my 17 year old McKinsey, she's also funny, but in a different way. And she wanted to talk about social media and how it affects young girls and how it does this. So there's lessons in there, but we're also cutting up and laughing and, and it just, that brings 
them a part of it and it gives me a release and some endorphins as well as them. And I think the more you can do that in your business as an entrepreneur, you can bring your family along or, or share things with them. I think, I think that makes, makes it a little easier. And was that what helped you transition out of burnout and kind of it has helped. I still, I still get a little burned out, but I also play for the next trip. So I'm like, all right, we're taking a trip in March. Done. Mm-hmm. We're taking a trip in June. Done. So as long as I know that and I've got a trip I'm working for, for us to go and spend time and to release and turn my phone off, then I'm okay. That helps a lot. That's like the, um, the, the I, light, I, the light I, at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And you got to have a goal there. And it's like, yeah. I try to go on three or four trips a year with the family. And I purposely try never to work at all on the weekends. I mean, I do sometimes I'm running a big company. I get a call, some stuff goes down. I'm like, okay, that's it. But most cases I'm available. I'm with my kids. I'm doing things. It allows me to rest. It allows me to reset. I'm, I'm up at five 30 or six during the week and in bed by midnight or one, but on the weekend I might sleep into eight or nine, which is like a treat. And I'm laying in the bed and being more lazy. And it, 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 you have to, you have to do that. If you don't, it's never worth it. But I get really excited about Mondays. Most people hate Mondays. I love Mondays. I get, I get depressed about Thursday or Friday. I'm like, ah. But then I get excited on Saturday for the weekend again. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't have any obligations this weekend. This is great. And then Sunday comes around. I get excited for Monday because I've kind of restart. I've reset. You've got to find time for yourself, whether it be 30 minutes or an hour or two hours to where you can do for you or you're useless to everybody else, including your business and your family and whatever it is you like to do. Like for me, working out or listening to music, it used to be a long time ago playing video games. Like I used to be a gamer. Now I love to watch shows at night. Me and my wife will watch certain shows and we cut up about that. It, it, me and my son, he's into history, wants to watch war stuff. So we'll watch war stuff. Anything I can do to not think about work or a podcast, that's the reset that we need. And look, everybody goes through burnout. You just have to, okay, how can I control some of this to where I'm not overexposed and breathe a little bit? And I think coaching helps. Like I'll tell David or Steve, I have two different coaches, like, here's what's going on. And they'll be like, look, you just got to be able to have more gratitude and be able to relax a little bit and breathe. And you don't need to be so uptight. You need to, you know, you can still get your point across without snapping on some of your employees. And so it, it brings me back to, to the level ground that I need. I need constructive criticism. I tell people like writing the book or doing anything. If you can't find anything wrong with it, you're not my friend. You got to mm-hmm. tell me what I can do better. Mm-hmm. And so getting coaching allows that to happen where you don't, t- you're not defensive. You don't get upset about it. Yeah. I love that. And I love the story about bringing your kids on as guests for the the podcast. That's my favorite part of this interview. I I absolutely love it. And I just in talking with you, I could relate. I'm sure a lot of others who are listening to this can relate. If you're, if you own your own business, you've got this, if you have, you have a family and then you start a podcast and then that becomes like a, a little micro business. And then you're writing a book and that's like another micro business. And all of a sudden you have like five or six brands happening if you you know count you know your your own personal brand and then you're having to kind of juggle like where you're going to put your buckets of time and all of a sudden you're working 24 7 and I think that's how you fast forwarded to to burnout maybe quicker or maybe other people don't ever get to burnout because they don't have those multiples happening of other buckets coming in of of literally new brands well if you want to grow something you've got to be all in you mm-hmm. can't be worried about your pulling time away from your family. And yeah. I know that's unfortunate and it's sad, but I, I would disagree when people are like, 
if it takes away from your family, you shouldn't do it. I totally disagree. It's quality over quantity. People go home every day and see their kids for 15 minutes. Their kids go in the room, play video games till bedtime, and that's it. But if I purposely make the little bit of time I have a huge moment to make a memory, like we're going to do something that's epic, that's important. It's not, you're going to go play video games. Hi, dad. Hey, like, no, I'm going to make it count. That goes a lot longer than the eight hours or 10 hours or 20 hours I was off of work, but I only saw them for 15, 20 minutes a day because they were up in their room. And that's what kids do nowadays. They stay in the room, play video games or on social media. This is what they do. They're not downstairs hanging out all the time. So I purposely like we have family dinner on this day. We're going to do movie night on that day. We're going to play board games on this day. When you force them, they don't get to make choices. They're kids. They get an opinion, but I try to make the choices and then say, here's what we're going to do. And here's why I don't like it. Well, I don't care. You can be mad when you run your family, you can change it, but it allows them to let their guard down. And now it's quality time that they'll remember forever rather than, Oh, my dad worked nine to five. And I saw him some, no, no. Well, he worked his butt off and he's always busy, but he made time to make sure we did these cool things, whether it be, you know, I'm real big in traditions. Like we do something that we got to try to make a tradition. And, and therefore I've got three daughters and a son and the daughters will always come home. The sons usually don't. That's how it works. And so you want to build traditions where they'll come back and they'll do things and they'll implement those in their family. That's great. That's great advice. That's like creating the best family culture you can. And it sounds like you've also created an amazing company culture at your company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which And which nothing's perfect. Some kids complain. Some kids, I mean, this is what they do and you got to, all right. I, you're juggling to try to make everybody happy and it's hard, but I also coach some of the, I used to coach the kids sports, even though I'm doing all these things I'll find, I categorize my calendar, you know, podcast is hard. They, I, I was getting booked podcasts two or three a week. And it was like, then other people, then I had all these transactional meetings. Cause we're talking about our company, maybe going public doing things. I, I had no time. I said, timeout. I had to hire someone who manages my calendar completely. And I said, you get two days a month to stock like six or eight podcasts in that day. Then I'm done. Like the rest of the month, it's not that I dislike it. I need other things to happen. I can't be bombarded. I'll do my own podcast during the week. Like, oh, I got 30 minutes, click, go. But if I have a guest or I'm going to like, I like to, to stick it in one, one day or two days a month and get a bunch done. And therefore I'm not feeling it all month. And if I allocate a calendar really well, and I put a calendar in there, Hey, we got family dinner this day. Hey, we've got the board games this day. Hey, we've got movie night this day. Hey, I'm going to take you like, then I feel like I'm, I'm just like I do my business. I'm sticking my family on the calendar and it allows me to hold accountability to myself. So it sounds like you could write a book called own your schedule. I could maybe I'm not perfect though. I usually (laughs) am on time or I got my schedule good, but every now and then I'm like, Oh boy, I just messed that up. So I'm human. Well, remind us again about your book, Own Your Power. Tell us a little bit about it as we are closing out here and where we can, I'll put the links in the show notes, but give us that last plug. We want to know. Well, Own Your Power, I'll give you a couple of the chapters. So Own Your Power, No Excuses, No BS, The Time Is Now. And a couple of the chapters are to be a world champ, you got to focus on the play-by-play, love your haters. I, I love talking about haters. That's like one of my favorite subjects. Turn failure into fuel. You're effed if you only chase money, focus on fulfillment instead. So those are a couple of the chapters that come out sometime mid-summer and it's super excited about that. So it'll be on Amazon and everything. The podcast is True Underdog Podcast. It's on Spotify, iHeart, Google cast box, and then the YouTube channel. And then obviously the company power home solar. If you're ever looking for a great career, we're in now 16 States. We're always adding great people to be part of the mission. 
And, or, or if you're looking to get solar, it's powerhome.com. Awesome. Are you in Ohio? We are in Ohio. We're in oh. Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Texas. Awesome. So can we put for careers at the company? Can we put that link in there too? Yep. Careers at powerhome.com. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. Well, Jason, thank you so much. This was an amazing interview and I learned so much and very inspiring. We're also going to put the links to the episodes with your kids being interviewed. I love that. Great. Thank you. Yeah. That they're have fun with it. I mean, it meant a lot. My oldest daughter's like mine was number one for a while and it was, and then now it's not. She's like, we got to do it again. So she had a great poop story on there. You know, it it was funny. So it's, it's good to cut up like that and let loose. And if fans or listeners don't like it, I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm putting stuff out that's real. And I think when you're real, I think that's important and people want to know. Well, this is an unofficial email stat. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but if you use poop in the subject line of your email, you get the most opens. So maybe you had that secret or your daughter had that secret. Yeah, she's smart. She's definitely (laughs) witty. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, thank you. Bye, Jason. Namaste. listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.